Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Tobin here. We're going to start today's podcast. We'll recap the action from the third fight card in eight days from Jacksonville, Florida, as the Sunshine State hosted the UFC during this pandemic for the latest uh, for this run during COVID-19. And uh, this one was one that was headlined by the heavyweights. Walt Big Ticket Harris was taking on the Ream, Alistair Overeem. And a hell of a fight, man. I tell you one thing. This has been, uh, you've seen a lot of of big fights here, especially these last two main events that have started one way and, and really tapered the other way as far as guys being able to come back. Um, their fortitude has been crazy because I thought I thought Alistair Overeem was done, especially the way that Alistair's been finished lately. I thought that uh, that Walt Harris got him, and I, I I thought no shot that he was coming back from it. So, um, you know, it kind of speaks to both of them. Walt was in the you know first of all was dealing with a tragedy with with crazy emotion, all that type of stuff, and then you think about on top of that was coming back. Um, you know, in the midst of a pandemic, was in the first time he was in a uh, a main event spot, so it was a big it was a big time step up for him, and I think this is going to be a big time growing experience. But Alistair Overeem ended up getting the win over him uh, with a with a with a with a second round TKO. So, um, look, Im- impressive performance from Alistair Overeem, who I think definitely needed that win. You think about where he's been recently as far as his uh, his records concerned. Um, you know. Losing to France Ngannou and Curtis Blades, the guys who are kind of up top of the division right now. Uh, he had a, a real bad strike of luck with uh, with Jarzinho Rosenstrike, where he was winning the fight. was the best performance in the world, but uh, he ended up getting his face blown up by Rosenstrike with five seconds left in the bout. So that, that really sucks for him. So a good win for him, a top 10 win, one that he certainly needed. And... Uh, as for Walt Harris, look, you know, uh, you just hope that this uh, this does anything to help heal what he went through. It's unspeakable what he went through, and um, I think a lot of people got to to know his name, and 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 hopefully his stepdaughter is able to to be honored in some way by everybody knowing what happened to her, and and he was able to, you know, he brought the T-shirt to the to the octagon, which was super emotional. Um, it was a it was it was a, a really really good bout by him and. Uh, he had him. Look, he had Overeem. Uh, it's just, you know, these are one of those things where you see what, what the heavyweight division is. Some guys take a step back, and then they, they, they take a launch forward. I think for Walt, he definitely can do that. You know, this is a, this is just a minor blip. And, you know, we're talking a guy who's, you know, is is not young, but is is at least, you know, now at this new spot, I think, you know, showed a lot of people what he's made of in as far as talent's concerned and i think uh his explosiveness looked in really good shape i thought um but i don't but 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 just needs uh you know just just needs to to go back to the drawing board a little bit um as far as the you know the, the i think the big story of this night other than the main event a lot of questionable decisions not a great day for florida judging not a great day for florida judging which is disappointing for me because um, you know, you know, I'd love to see more action come here, and I do think more action is going to come here, especially with the fact that Florida was kind of a uh, a safety net for the UFC. Um, I do think that we're going to be in a position to get a lot of fights from here on out. I think that Dana White will probably remember what Florida did for him in a in a pandemic, 
And so I do think that that put this place in a good spot to get big time events. Um, but it wasn't a great showing. Uh, a lot of a lot of questionable decisions. Uh, Angela Hill and Claudia Gadelia. I thought Angela Hill got the nod. I thought she should have gotten the nod from from my standpoint. Uh, Ige versus Barboza. I'm a Barboza guy, so maybe I'm a little bit biased in that. I thought he should have gotten the nod. Uh, Song Yandong against uh, uh, Song Yandong against Marlon Vera. Marlon Vera probably got the biggest hose job of the night. He definitely deserved to win that fight over over Yandong. So. Those uh, those were tough. I think that was definitely the big story as far as this was concerned. Uh, that the judging was really questionable. Uh, Gadelia versus Angela Hill. Look, it was a, a hell of a throwdown. Those those ladies drew uh, a crazy amount of shots. Um, and I feel for Angela Hill because you know Angela Hill has been so damn active and she's been really good too. You know, for 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 somebody who's been. Um, you know, really kind of worked her way back into this, into this UFC thing. You know, she really, um, has done a hell of a job with her career. So I hate to see her taken out like that because she's, you know, one of the more active fighters on the roster really. And so that one hurts a little bit. And same thing with our, with Barboza. Like I, 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 it, it stinks that, you know, these guys rack up, you know, these losing streaks or they, they rack up a few losses and you think about, yeah, but look at Look at where Barboza's been. He's lost split decisions to Ige and Paul Felder, and they really very arguably could have gone his way. Um, so it sucks for him. It sucks that you, like, if you just look at it on paper, you go to his his, uh, his Wikipedia or his Sherdog or his Tapology, and you just see those three straight L's. It sucks for Barboza that he's in that position. But uh, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked good for 145 uh, in his featherweight debut. Um didn't you know? I don't know how hard that was for him. I imagine it was very difficult for him to do that at uh, at this point in his career. But uh, he was one of those guys that thought it didn't look like the uh, the weight cut was wearing on him. I thought he looked pretty damn good uh, in his performance. Um, Christoph Jago versus Eric Anders. Eric Anders star- story of this fight was Eric Anders mullet. It's glorious. Uh, it's like a, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like beautiful breathtaking feathery waves in the air i i just i loved it um but jocko uh ended up getting the better of him on that one um i really is this what we had i mean the performances of the night you had some uh really great starts to the, to, the, to the card uh rodrigo uh nascimento with his with his uh, submission win um that was very impressive courtney casey with a nasty arm bar over mara romero borella she, uh, she, I mean, that, that looked super gross what she was doing to her. Nate Ladware with, uh, his win over Darren Elkins. Um, you know, Darren Elkins wore it like his tattoo says, man. The dude has the damage tattooed across his chest and, and Ledware just put it on him. Uh, very bloody fight. Darren Elkins obviously been in a ton of wars in his career, so he wears it, uh, a little bit tough as far as that stuff is concerned. Um, uh, Giga Jacquesi with his win over Erwin Rivera. That was a fun fight. Those guys are throwing some some crazy, crazy. Uh, it was it was a real mismatch as far as like at featherweight. You know, Giga was just a lot bigger than Rivera, but it it really made for a fun fight. Those guys were throwing some some cool Bruce Lee stuff. You know, it's funny they were throwing during the uh, during the fight. Uh, they were advertising a lot. Be water. They're, the the Bruce Lee thirty for thirty that's coming out in a couple weeks. And uh, I think these guys did like probably the best of honoring Bruce Lee. Um, in my mind, you know, I know fight of the night went to Yudon versus Vera, but in my mind, I thought the fight of the night went to our guy, Miguel Baeza, his win over Matt Brown, um, because that, that first round was crazy. I mean, that went, it, it looked like, uh, it looked like, Baeza was done. It looked like that Matt Brown was going to put it on him. He started hitting him with the elbows. Just looked a lot. You could tell. I think there were some nerves for for Baeza early on, and he mentioned some of that where he like he just saw across the cage and it was like oh, you know, like I'm a, I'm a real I'm really here against a recognizable name in Matt Brown. And when we spoke to him back in January, he knew what that meant as far as you know taking on a guy of his caliber. You're taking on the immortal. This is the the guy with the elbow. He's a vicious vicious fighter. And it's a big step up, you know. It's it's kind of a throw you into the deep end, kids. See where you're at, and 
it's not it's not one of these wins where you're like, whoa. I mean, that that shows he's a contender or anything like that. But I definitely think it shows like the dude is UFC game. And you know, sometimes these young prospects get into the UFC and everything is just super easy for them. And I think it's good for for Miguel that he is he came in and he had a really, really tough go of it with Matt Brown early on. Matt Brown uh, was a lot more relaxed with his striking. You could tell Miguel was pressing a little bit. He uh, he found his he you know he found his chin early. But the big swing in this, honestly, is when he pressed him up against the cage. Miguel lost his mouthpiece. His mouthpiece was shot out. I don't you know I don't know if it was a case where it just got knocked out or if he spit it out uh, out of a little bit of veteran savvy from the young buck. But the the mouthpiece, I think it just got knocked out straight out. And, you know, so he he weathered the storm a little bit from Matt Brown. They got a little bit of a a, a pace on it. Ref uh, stops the fight. Herzog stops the fight and uh, gives Maeza back his mouthpiece. And he's reset. He's he's back focused. He's ready to go. And he uh, he finds Matt Brown's temple, immediately puts him on the canvas, starts with a little bit of ground and pound, uh, goes after him in, the, in that regard, but also didn't want to get caught by anything stupid, it looked like. Uh, but he completely swung that swung that round back to him, you know. So um, it was a it was a really really great bounce back for the young for the young end from Davy, and then Caramel Thunder comes out in the second round and he hits him with this nasty left hook that puts Matt Brown out. Couple follow up shots and that's all she wrote. So Miguel Baeza gets himself a huge knockout win over Matt Brown. Got himself a $50,000 bonus, which I'm sure is very sweet for a guy at his point in his career. So really good for Miguel getting that. Um, and, yeah, I think the UFC's got one in him. They look like they got themselves a hell of a prospect at welterweight. Uh, didn't call anybody out. You know, says he's ready to roll on and move on to the next one, whoever it is. I hope that, uh, you know, maybe they give him something either just outside the rankings or, or just inside the rankings next to, to wet his whistle in that regards. But, look, this just continues to show – uh, the kind of talent we have down here in South Florida that we continue to showcase. And uh, he was a very confident young man when we spoke to him. He seemed, uh, you know, a, a point where he was, you know, like many of these guys was questioning whether he should continue on with it, should he give up. But uh, I tell you what, man, he looks like he's got the whole package. He was very, uh, he was very, very, uh, he was he was just very, very uh, well-tempered in the whole fight, you know. To, to take that kind of a, a, a beating early on, a lot of people could crumble, you know, um, no, you know, knowing what it took to take on a guy like Matt Brown with that kind of resume, with that many fights under his belt, you might just think, oh, maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm not cut out for this. And that was the opposite case. He was very cut out for it and it was a hell of a performance. So shout out to Caramel Thunder, Miguel Baeza for getting himself a win. That's our recap of UFC uh, Florida. That was UFC FL that they put on yesterday. We'll roll on to it. We'll give you a recap of the rest of the week right after this. So this was interesting this week. We had the lightweight division. Obviously, was shook up the week beforehand. UFC 249, Justin Gaethje beating Tony Ferguson. And so we find ourselves in a matchup, a future matchup, likely of Justin Gaethje taking on Habib Nurmagomedov for the undisputed 155 championship. However, we saw this week... Uh, one Conor McGregor start to throw his name on the table to say, "Hey, hey, hey what about me? Well, let's uh, let's 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 talk a little bit about old, old Conor here. What do we got? What do we got as far as me is concerned?" And so he went, uh, you know, pretty ballistic on on social media. We haven't seen Conor go like this after other people for a while, and you know, he was talking about. Just the matchups, and he goes, uh, the fans make the sport. Watch the other night. I was against doing it without them, but now it would be my effing pleasure to display the power I possess with zero background noise for them. It's me and Justin Nexus. Khabib is the biggest bottle fighter in the game. Guarantee it. I love Tony. We represented him amazingly at Paradigm Sports, and we were betrayed for a promise of a baseball contract. Uh, but frame of preparation, he was just embarrassing. His methods and conversation are humorous and enjoyable. And he was never the level perceived, although tough. It is Dustin and Tony next. When Tony heals, if he does, Dustin will beat him. Also, if changes are not made, which they won't. Dustin, although game and in the mix, will have to be fed to the floor again. Couple wins here and there, folded in half, rinse and repeat, Dustin's career. Justin, there's no danger in a man that hugs legs. We all know that. Try and dance around. What the real threat is, I'm going to effing butcher you. 
your teeth. I'm going to make them a effing necklace. Speak on my skills as a father. You are effing dead. You know, Justin has uh, made those comments about uh, Connor as a parent and the way he's acted. Uh, and also, don't ever say you represent the great nation of the United States of America ever again. No true American would ever speak highly of or allow a convicted member of jihadi terror to call and represent them. Never forget, you're an effing blind fool, and I'm going to finish the job. Habib, you're an absolute embarrassment, scurrying, hiding as a rat as usual. As I have said many times and have seen many times through that pain glass and confirm what we always know. No comment, an embarrassment to real fighting. After this demolition, it is 170 pounds. So obviously, Connor has a lot of people to call out there. Uh, Tony, Dustin, Habib, Justin, in a lot of ways, uh, Kamara Usman, and anybody in the welterweight division. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, and so that look, the, let's just get to the point of okay, it's it's him versus Justin next. Like, what would it take to just go to Justin Gaethje next for the one for the for the UFC because they. Obviously, would love to do Connor versus Khabib. That's that's the, that's the dream. That's the dream matchup for them, um, which would do monster monster numbers. But um, look, him versus him versus Justin is a much more fun fight, as far as matchups are concerned. Uh, it's it, it it definitely just it, it's going to be more pleasing to the eye. It's a stand up fight, uh, which is what most people love to to go in there and watch. I think if you saw Nurmagomedov, Madoff, look. I just think Connor has a lot of repairing to do for for his career. You know, beating Cowboy Cerrone in 40 seconds was great. It was good, but I don't think he is I don't think he got the credit he probably thought he was going to get for doing what he did. I think he got a lot of oh, he beat he beat a washed Cowboy, which unfortunately for him, you know, unfortunate for him is, you know, he 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 did what he did to Cowboy in 40 seconds. Um, you know, faster than anybody had done that to Cowboy. But now Cowboy's on this first four-fight losing streak. He just lost again. I just think that that weight's losing a lot of weight. And I know that he went into this year thinking that he was going to be very active and that he was going to do a lot of fights. There has to be there has to be some level of him that goes and gets something. Now I don't know who that opponent is right now, as far as like what would go and get Connor a ton of credit, like a ton of praise, because. If he would have beaten, you know, if it, right now with the two top guys being, um, he isn't, he is in an unfortunate situation where the top two guys right now are Habib and Justin Gaethje. They're, let's just take them out of the picture for a minute. They're going to fight each other. Let's just say they're going to fight each other. Who is the other guy that can give Connor a lot of credit? Um, I take Tony out of the picture right now because Tony probably isn't going to fight. He is. He pretty banged up. I would hope he would take some time to get better. If he did fight Tony and beat him, I do think that would put him right in position to fight for the title. The next one is Dustin, and Dustin's number three in the world. Now, I think the world of Dustin Poirier, I think that he's unbelievably underrated for this division. We talked about, I think the comments last week where Connor said that, oh, I did better against Khabib than you did. It's like, no, you didn't. You, you didn't, though. Like, you know, Dustin was at least within moments of choking Nurmagomedov out. Connor did not have a good moment in the Nurmagomedov fight. He, he, I don't want to say that he won a round, but it was it was the most it was the least spectacular round of the fight, right? So I, I just think that he's in a spot right now, and, and you know where go be Dustin. You know, it still says a lot. I'm trying to think what is Dustin's is Dustin's has he fought since? The uh, from since the Khabib fight, I think I don't think he has. He's been kind of on the shelf for a while. I know there was some talk about the Diaz fight, so yeah, we're going on. What's that? Nine, three. We're going on eight months without without Dustin in action. Um, they last fought. I mean, we're talking two thousand and fourteen since they last fought, and it was at featherweight. Here's the thing that I would say is unfair. Because I think, well, let's say, for example, let's say Connor were to fight Max Holloway. And I know Holloway's taking on Volkanovsky, but let's just make, for argument's sake, he's taking on Holloway. I feel like in a lot of people's minds, that would be a fight that would give Connor more clout. As uh, as as Gaethje said, that Gaethje says he's he's running out of clout in the fight community. A lot of people don't take him seriously, and people would say, "Oh, he doesn't. He shouldn't. He won't get a lot of clout for beating, uh, for for beating." certain guys but for Holloway 
Dustin worked Holloway. I mean, he beat the brakes off him. He beat the holy hell out of Justin Gaethje. Um, you know, his lone blemish for a long time at lightweight was Nurmagomedov, other than getting uh, starched by Michael Johnson way back in the day. He's been a monster at 155. So I think that that should be a fight that if Connor goes and he beats Poirier, and I don't know that he will, but let's just say that he does, um, it should be a fight that vaults him in a lot of people's minds in that division and should solidify him fighting for the title. Um, especially if Gaethje ends up on top. It's like, well, Connor just you know demolished a guy that, that whooped your ass. So you could go MMA math, that kind of style of, of uh, who the guy is or who deserves to have the shot. Um, but I don't feel like I don't I don't know if Connor beating a guy in Dustin Poirier that he beat back in less than two minutes back in 2014. I don't know if that'll do it for him. I don't know. Um, does it does it mean that Connor has to go beat a guy like Masvidal where he has to jump into the 170 pool, take on a guy like Masvidal who's hotter than anyone right now? Um, maybe, maybe. Does he fight a guy like you know Tyron Woodley? Does he just go to 170? While these guys are trying to figure it out, maybe that's the case that he does. You know, I think for him, look, I've always said with Connor, I think the 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 smaller guys he can take on, the better for him. Um, I just think that he's he, the the bigger people get, the less spectacular he gets. It's not that he's not good. I just don't think he's all world. I think you know with featherweight, you know, people say Max Holloway. I think the best featherweight has uh, that we've seen is is Connor. I, I I just don't think it's I, I don't I don't think it's in question the the way he steamrolled through everybody um who who can argue that just because he became too famous for the division or didn't want to cut anymore i just think that for one for featherweight the the argument has to go to him i think it's him holloway then joe then jose for me for me especially the longer that holloway's career has gone on we saw that holloway lost at lightweight couldn't make lightweight for one um i just think that connor connor's in the spot right now where um, it would be better served if he could say at 155. I think that's better for his career. But you know, he's doing this thing now where he doesn't want to cut weight unless for it's for a belt. Like I get it. He's been uh, you know, he's he's a champion and all that type of stuff, or has been a champion in two weight classes. He's made all the money in the world. So why are you gonna get crazy about it? But for me, um, I do think for for that that point that Justin is making of he needs clout with the fighters or whatever that. Um, I hope that he gets that beating Dustin Poirier if he's able to beat Dustin Poirier, um, which is a big if. Dustin's a lot better. He's a lot better than he was uh, when he took on Connor. One, he's already been on the big stage a couple of times. He's taken on Holloway, beat the holy hell out of him. He's main evented fights. Um, he came close to choking out Khabib, closer than anybody had been. Imagine submitting Nurmagomedov, like how, what a coup that would be. Um, so he's been on those grand stages now, you know, he's had those, he's had those, you know, his, his old quote, 25 minutes to make life fair. He's made life fair. And so I think now taking on Connor would be a lot less pressure for him. I don't think he would fall for the boogeyman as much. Want to get as emotional. He is a guy that if he gets emotional can get with outside himself. We saw that with the, with the Michael Johnson fight. We saw that with the Connor fight. If, if he can harness that, if he can, if he can withhold himself, then yeah, I think I think that he ha- he is a very good chance to beat McGregor, a very very good chance to beat McGregor and put it on him. But um, it is tough right now looking at that 155 division and thinking what are the wins that would put Connor in a place where there would be no argument to to really be the counterpoint to what Justin would say. I think beating a guy that beat Justin the way he did and and getting him be. I think you'd be Poirier. It should give you all the respect in the world. You shouldn't have to go beat a more famous guy in Max Holloway. Because let's be honest. I mean, Connor beat the most famous of them all. He beat Cowboy. Cowboy's more famous than Dustin, more famous than Max. Um, he's the bigger name. And I do think that that one is just waning on people because it looks like Cowboy is at the point that he's at. And I don't think that Tony Ferguson's going to be ready. It looks, you know, I would imagine uh, Tony's going to take some time to recover. But then again, Tony recovered from a, a torn up knee in six months. So he's a crazy person. He might be ready to go in, you know, three months after taking the beating that he did from Justin. Who knows? But um, that was an interesting point from Justin Gaethje this week. I I can't be surprised if, if Connor does end up leapfrogging him. Like, if they do get to the point where, you know, Nurmag- let's, you know, let's, 
you know, what if what if tragedy strikes with the Stamaga Madoff thing and, and his dad goes and, and he doesn't feel like fighting anymore, then what? You know, do they do they go right to Connor then? Probably. Probably because there's already heat behind that. And Con in all likelihood, Connor's always gonna get the he's always gonna get the nod because he'll always do the numbers. He'll always bring in the business and he has so much of a fan base that people are gonna want to watch him fight, even if fighters don't think he deserves it. That's the point that he's at in his career. We're back with more after this. Welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. We continue on. So we had this week uh, another card in Jacksonville. We had Anthony Smith. He was taking on Glover Teixeira. That was the headliner for the second Jacksonville fight. Uh, man, I mean, I will say, like, these fights in Jacksonville, even with the no crowd, all that stuff, they've been brutal, man. And, and it was a hard watch. It was hard watching uh the ending of that for for Anthony Smith because you know he came out guns blazing he came out with a huge pace on Glover to share I thought no shot in hell that Anthony Smith was gonna lose this fight uh, especially that's kind of been where his sweet spot has been I mean he really got his rise to the title on the back of of beating a, a couple of legends guys who have been around for a while and you know he's also been the guy who's really been able to just out tough everybody. And far as far as just kind of go through, but you know, you're thinking about taking out Rashad Evans, Shogun Hua, uh, Gustafson, Volkan Uzdemir mixed in there in a war of attrition. So I just thought this was tailor made for him. I thought that he was going to be in, in 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 good spots to go and take out Glover. But these are weird times, and I think that we, uh, you know, we got to recognize that in these in these fights with uh, Gaethje taking out Tony Ferguson and all that type of stuff that maybe guys aren't. Um, as finely tuned as they would normally be um, guys who are able to do all kinds of crazy preparation, maybe aren't as good um, or as finely tuned as they are to be because we're in unprecedented times with these, with these guys prepping, but man um, tough watch. And you know, the, the big debate of this, of course, why, why didn't Jason Herzog stop the fight uh, sooner? Why didn't Anthony Smith's corner step in and stop things sooner? Um, we always, you know, Herzog came out and he, and he put the blame on himself, which is admirable from him that he's going to, you know, he's going to go on and, and move on from this and that, you know, he thought that he said uh, his statement was that the sport of MMA is beautiful, it's pure, an incredible teacher. Some lessons are more harsh than others. I've had, I've seen a lot of opinions about what should happen and who is at fault, but let me be clear, there's only one person to blame, me. I am responsible for each fighter and entrusted to oversee I uh, will take this experience and make the changes to be better. Uh, and so, you know, he's taking accountability there, which is admirable from him. But it is uh, an interesting one where you go into these fights and it seemed like in this one there were places where he could have gone. I mean, good God, his, he was getting teeth picked up and handed to him from, uh, you know, Anthony Smith was handing him teeth. So it was a, it was a brutal brutal beating that uh, Glover Teixeira was putting on him. The question becomes the corner. The corner's a tough one because, you know, I feel like in boxing it's just much more prone to guys are willing to, you know, trainers are a little bit more willing to to throw in the towel. You know, the most you know, the prevalent place that this was was recently saw was, of course, Deontay Wilder against, uh, against Tyson Fury where his corner threw in the towel and he was very mad at them and, you know, guys were going to get fired over it, but you know, mixed martial arts guys are just getting stuck. You know, stopping on the stool. It's it, it's rare. It's it's not something we see very often. It's so funny because we see a lot of people in mixed martial arts now coming out and saying that uh, what what is the you know what we got to catch up to boxing in terms of it's such a funny thing where they're just like we're 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 so many places that um, the UFC I think does a better spot than boxing and and has. Uh, a better placement for uh, for for guys and safety for guys as far as getting out of the fight, but you know there 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 are those, those there are those rare ones where they're taking a rough beating, and you know it doesn't seem like there's anywhere there. I saw a lot of a lot of fighters were fuming at, at Anthony Smith's corner over this, and hopefully, you know he does take the necessary time off to uh, to get himself right for this. But that was. Uh, that was a tough one to watch for sure, as far as the performance Glover Share put on him. Uh, yeah, Big Ben Rothwell got a win over Ovince St. Prue. Uh, Ovince, you know, looked uh, looked decent at certain times, but definitely had trouble with Big Ben wearing on him 
leaning on him, dealing with that extra weight, I think definitely made him uncomfortable. Um, you know, there were certain points where he was able to get off his offense on that, but it seemed like, you know, those 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 shots took a, a pretty big toll on OSP as far as, you know, looking for, you know, body shots up the middle, all that type of stuff really seemed to bother OSP at certain times. And so that big step up in size was definitely tough. And it's going to be one we're going to get to something uh, in regards to this move up uh, in a little bit with uh, with John Bones Jones. Uh, and what his plans were this week. Drew Dober versus Alexander Hernandez was an absolute monster fight. Uh, Drew Dober coming out with a, a fantastic TKO victory in the second round. Both of those guys were, were throwing uh, some crazy strikes, really entertaining bout between those guys back and forth hand. Uh, Drew Dober ended up getting the win. Um, excited to see where he kind of goes from there. He moves up into the rankings now at lightweight, which is an absolute bear of a division. Uh, you had Ricky Simone. He ended up getting the win over over Ray Borg. Uh, very hot, tightly contested batch between both of these guys, uh, as far as you know, going back and forth. Um, you know, Ricky Simone really needed to get a victory. Um, as far as you know, people thinking that he was you know this hot prospect, he lost to Uriah Faber, so he needed to get back in the win column for sure. Um, so a nice one for him. Andre Arlovsky looked fantastic against Felipe Linz. Uh, didn't find, you know, this one, I thought that, I thought that, uh, Arlovsky had it. Maybe, you know, you could argue the scorecard should have been closer. Um, but I do think that he was clearly the winner at the end of it all. Uh, one that bled for that, that, that hurt for me was Tiago Moises getting, uh, Michael Johnson with a heel hook. I'm a big Michael Johnson fan and he's in an interesting spot because, you know, this guy has really definitely fought. Everybody there is to fight. The guy's been in the UFC forever. We're talking about since 2010, since he's been in the UFC. Um, you know, he's now on the on the back of another three uh, a three fight loss streak, and not quite the names that it was last time. And this guy's lost to Nate Diaz, Habib, uh, Justin Gaethje. He had a devastating knockout victory over Dustin Poirier. But you look to all those fights, and you see with Michael Johnson, like the Khabib fight. You know, had maybe the best punch anybody's ever landed on uh, Nurmagomedov. Justin Gaethje uh, had Justin Gaethje in tremendous danger in that fight. Um, you know, the, these the, these top killers in the division, Michael Johnson looked like he was right there with him. He was looking good against Tiago and ended up getting right into, uh, into a footlock. And that was it. That was all she wrote for him. So, um I don't know what becomes of him from there. I don't. I don't know. He's not a. He's not old. He's not over the hill by any means. He's thirty three years old, so that's plenty of time. But uh, certainly, uh, certainly has uh, so much talent, and you wonder what it takes. You know, he's done the weight cut thing. He's kind of bounced back up. I thought that. I think that he looks a lot better uh, at one fifty five than he does uh, than he does at one forty seven, where he has missed weight already before. So. I don't know. From my standpoint, I'd like to see him stay at 155. There's still so much talent there, and I think he's a fun contender. But uh, obviously, hurts for the uh, for the guy who fights out of South Florida for sure. Um, other highlights of this one: you had uh, Brian Kelleher had a monster knockout in the prelims. So did Chase Sherman. Chase Sherman ended up with a with a with a big time TKO victory. So two guys who uh, who definitely I think needed to show themselves to uh, uh, to to do some of the things. But uh, Boom was a uh, Monster knockout. He called out Sean O'Malley afterwards. I think that intrigued uh, Dana White a little bit. Performances of the night went to Glover Teixeira, Drew Dober. No argument there. As far as those performances were concerned, it was a tough. Uh, Dana White said it was a tough night to uh, to put forth and pick themselves a, a winner. But that was your fight night as far as UFC Jacksonville was concerned. And it's uh, it's been a busy week up in North Florida for sure. The big, uh, the big thing that also came out of this, as far as news was concerned, so Dana was talking about uh, when we will get Justin Gaethje versus Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, this looks like it's going towards September. This was obviously a tough week for the Nurmagomedov family because we found out that Khabib's father was in a coma. Uh, apparently, he is recovering, but still in critical condition after they operated on his heart. But uh, that was, uh, you know, you know that the lightweight champion, I'm, you know, I know a lot of people have great relationships with their parents, but his father's very tied to his fighting career. So um, a lot of people coming out in support of him. He was talking about a September return, which seemed more likely. There were some reports this week that were coming out from Dana saying that he wants to do the fight on Fight Island um, and that 
it would be sometime in the summer. Seemed very fast because, you know, Nurmaga Madoff is in the midst of Ramadan right now. Now he has the family drama that's going on. Um, will they be tempted to do another interim title or Jason Gaethje defending the interim title against Conor McGregor? I can't say no. I don't. I, it's 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 going to be tough to know what they what they have up their sleeve as far as the next fights are concerned. Um, Dana kept saying, you know, Tuesday next Tuesday we're going to have a lot of news as far as all that stuff's concerned. You know, regarding the welterweight championship um, and the other divisions, what's going to happen with the heavyweight championship? Obviously, there's obviously there's a there's a big cloud of mystery over that. And when you get the news this week about John Jones wanting to step in. Um, that's going to pique Dana's interest as well. But yet, yeah, that makes a lot more sense to do Gaethje versus Nurmaga Madoff uh, in September. First of all, a couple things. One, I think it's a really quick turnaround for Justin, who already took the Tony Ferguson fight on short notice. I just think you're putting him in a really tough situation to go ask and fight Khabib on, if you were to say, let's just say call it July. You're calling, you know, six weeks notice. I just think that's, I think that's a tough ask of the guy. Um, and, and I just think that after a fight like he had with Tony Ferguson, you'd like him to rest and recover and, and get back to normal as much as possible, even though that he dealt out most of the punishment. You saw that his hang, his hand was very gnarled up afterwards. He threw a, a ton of left hooks on Tony Ferguson. So I imagine the hand's not fantastic right now, uh, health wise. So I just want those guys at the peak of their powers if they are going to fight, cause I don't want. Um, I don't want Nurmagomedov's Madoff's next opponent to be bastardized. I want it to be uh, tough, uh, tough as possible. Uh, as far as you know, Tony's concerned. Tony's you know putting out videos of himself dancing and stuff like that. He sent out a message to uh, Nurmagomedov Madoff today, where or not today, this weekend, where he was saying that, um, you know, just that he wants Nurmagomedov Madoff to stay. He wants Khabib to stay ready to uh, to keep himself uh, to keep himself all set. Because that the ultimate finale is coming, and yeah, you know, look, you respect that for Tony. Because I, I really don't. I, I do think that the mystique of Namaga Madoff and Ferguson has worn off a little bit between the both of them. Because you're not going to get that clash of Tony on the win streak, uh, Habib getting, uh, you know, getting to be this undefeated monster. Um, Tony's not far off, obviously. All he's got to do is maybe go win one contender fight, and we're right back in there. So if he goes ahead and has a great performance against Connor or Poirier or somebody like that, then I think we're right back at there. But um, for right now, it just feels like you know air let out of the balloon for not having those guys clash. You know, it was just it, it's one of the big what ifs of mixed martial arts, if not the biggest what if of mixed martial arts. So. Disappointing to see. When we come back, we'll get into a little bit of uh, boxing and, of course, this John Jones news against uh, Francis Ngannou. You know, the GOAT maybe finally wanted to step up and get himself a big-time heavyweight matchup. We'll bring you that next. Welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. A couple ones that just got you juiced up this week for sure. Uh, I don't know where I want to start. I'll start off with like, what happened to me on... Friday morning. So we were talking about this last week as far as Shannon the Cannon Briggs versus Mike Tyson and bare knuckle. That there was a big time offer from BKFC to Mike Tyson. Uh one you know, one that was uh caught like wildfire because there were fake Twitter rumors out there, trolls and whatnot. Made it seem like the BKFC president was announcing it, even though it wasn't his account, it was a fake tweet, all that type of stuff. So you know, that one all seemed like there was uh, the water poured on that, and that was that. But, you know, uh, Shannon was uh, relentless on social media as far as the interest is concerned. And I made my case for it last week. If you're going to have Mike Tyson come back, I just think you do it. I don't I don't think you do these exhibitions against uh, – I don't think you do these exhibitions against small-timers that nobody knows. I think if you're Mike Tyson, you're going to come back. Come back against somebody within your age range, somebody that people know, somebody who could do a great job of hyping that up. I just think that Shannon checks all the categories there. Um, you know, a lot of people are obviously gonna say, oh, let's do Holyfield again. And Holyfield was making his case this week. And look, the Holyfield thing, if you're going to do an exhibition, certainly it's got all the history behind it. The, the bit, the, you know, the, the, the ear biting and all that type of stuff. But, you know, I just think that there's so much history there that I just think that you're taking away 
what those fights are. You're going to be harping on what those fights were back in the day anyway. Same thing with Lennox Lewis. If Lennox Lewis, who was talking about, oh, I might as well throw my hat in the ring. You know, Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson, too little too late with that fight. It didn't live up to what we all hoped it was, even though it was a monster pay-per-view success. I just feel like if Mike Tyson is going to come back and he's going to do a fight that is going to be a little, you know, way past his prime, you take on another guy who is past his prime, but is great at promotion, uh, who could play the foil, who people won't mind seeing uh, Tyson beat um, if he is able to beat. And if he loses, I don't think it's that great because it's not like, my, you know, Shannon's definitely been in the ring more recently than than uh, than Mike Tyson. Just makes a lot of sense. Both of those guys are from the same place. Uh, if you want to talk about a great place to raise money for charity, it certainly could be done in Brownsville, Brooklyn, um, or for Brownsville, Brooklyn, if they're not allowed to do it. Obviously, Vegas, where Tyson lives, Florida, where uh, where 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 Shannon lives, both places that are willing to do fights right now. So. From my standpoint, it makes all the sense in the world. It really does. So I got a little IG live request from Shannon. I just saw that he was up. I was getting ready to walk over to my home studio, and I saw that he was on Instagram live. This was at like five forty-five in the morning, maybe a little bit earlier. Um, I got to tell you, those not having the three a.m. workouts, pretty sweet right now. But neither here nor there. Uh, he was saying, you know, he was up early, and I was just, you know, I just throw him a little comment in the Instagram live, and he goes, Tobin, Tobin. You want to uh, you want to chat right now? I said, boom! I give him a little "Let's Go" chant. We do it, and he tells me, "Done deal." He says that him and Tyson have been talking, and that they have agreed upon a fight. I asked him, "Is this a bare knuckle thing, or is this a boxing match?" He says, "Boxing match. This is going to be a boxing exhibition, uh, around five rounds, something like that." And it is, uh, I, th- if, I, you know, look. I hope that uh, that all the the eyes are dotted and the T's are crossed. I hope that it does happen because I think that would be absolutely fun and fantastic if you're gonna do it that's the right way to do it it's not uh hearkening back to a fight that was and that's going to be older you know we see that from time to time with these fights like uh bernard hopkins roy jones the rematch that happened way too late all that type of stuff don't put yourself in that type of position you know make the fight happen uh within a right age age range and you're putting yourself in a good spot i think i think it'll be fun people get to see tyson do his thing um and two guys who are great talkers uh will be very media savvy as it comes to the lead up to it i think it'll be fun if they do it that way if that's the way they decide to go do it that way this is uh, this is this is what you've been uh you've been waiting for for the whole time but yeah don't don't be one of these ones where it's like you know way too way too late just it, it, it won't go off right trust me um, as far as the other big match that really got you going this week, so John Jones, uh, fresh off the week where we got Franz Ngana with another scary knockout, putting away Jorginho Rosenstrike. John Jones is throwing his hat in the ring to get the deal to fight Ngannou. And this is an interesting one for sure because we have a we have a situation where the heavyweight division is up for grabs a little bit. We don't know what the deal with Stipe is, when he's coming back, when the pandemic is set, he's got injury concerns. DC is getting up there. This is going to be his last fight. They can end with the trilogy, sure. Um uh, with Francis, he's obviously put himself in a win a uh, position to win a title, no doubt about that. He's definitely put himself in a position to to be the guy. But he's a little bit without a dance partner because both the guys that he's deserving of fighting are supposed to fight each other. So what does he do? Does he sit back and wait? He's a young man. He wants to go out and and uh, and 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 fight. So John this week was talking about well, who do fans think is a more technical striker anyway? Do they think it's uh, do they think it's Tiago Santos or do they think it's Francis Ngannou? And if you guys don't think I'll fi- I'll, I'll take that fight, you're crazy. Uh, you know, just send the deal. I uh, I think that this is uh, this would be fantastic. What a, what a way it would be for John to welcome himself to the division. It's a fight I think he can win. Quite frankly, you know uh, we've seen Francis lose to the more technical guy already in Stipe Miocic. Um, Stipe, you know, took some big bombs in that fight, but eventually wore down Francis, took him to the ground. Um, I think John's going to handle that just fine. I really really do. But, man, if you want to talk about – I really think if you're talking about for John, I think it's arguably, other than his DC rematch, the you know the only other super fight he's really had of his career. This is a guy who is 
looked at as the best guy to ever stop and step inside an octagon. He's obviously has a very tumultuous career because of all the controversy that surrounds him and, you know, the DUIs, the steroid use, the suspensions, the hit and runs, all that type of stuff. All of that is true. But he's also only lost via a disqualification. Um, other than that, you know, what is the most highly publicized John Jones fights of his career that aren't Cormier, you know? And, I mean, you know, you probably would almost have to go back to when he first became champion and won it from Lyoto and took on Rashad. And, but it's been a while. It's been a while since he's really had – you think about the Tiago Santos, the Anthony Smiths, the Dominic Reyes. You know, he is in a spot right now probably similar to uh, – maybe maybe Gustafson, his, his rematch against Gustafson people are obviously into. There was a ton of controversy because of the uh, the picograms and the pulsing and all that stuff. Um it was a uh, the first one was an absolute classic, but you know he's definitely been lacking in getting up for certain opponents. We saw this against OSP, where it felt like he uh, he wasn't exactly uh, he wasn't exactly you know gung ho and 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 put up forth his best foot. Uh, same thing with you know Anthony Smith, good performance. Tiago Santos, very very closely contested split decision. Dominic Reyes, even more so. Uh, even more controversial, some will say. So he's getting into this point where he doesn't. He definitely doesn't look as unbeatable. He definitely looks as a guy that, if you put a good pace on him, you definitely could take rounds from. If you get over the aura that is John Jones, is that starting to get stripped from with these, with these light heavyweights? And the other thing with it is, you know, he is a prize fighter, and for a guy of his resume, not enough people care about watching him fight I'm not saying nobody cares about watching him fight but for his accolades he should be he should be a lot more popular and so you take what he has as far as credentials are concerned and you put it up against a freak show like Nganu that's a super fight that's one that people will be jonesing for yes no pun intended uh that that's one that people will go will go crazy for yes I think any heavyweight fight will do that if he fights Cormier for another time, or if he goes and fights Stipe, I think that'll be an absolute monster. But Francis is the cartoon. It'd be like two if you had John Jones against Francis Ngannou, it's like two superhero action figures fighting each other. It's a it's a different level of skill set, cartoonish, the ultimate ticking time bomb taking on a guy in in John Jones who is you know basically perfect everywhere you know not definitely doesn't have the devastating knockouts but has the devastating kicks the crazy ground and pound all that type of stuff and the thing that's interesting is you know we've always wondered with john about taking on the the one shot guy the guy the, the you know the fight that's always eluded everybody at 205 has always been rumble johnson that's the one that everybody wanted to see um just to see how john would react if he took you know that big bomb how would it be now He's taken. He took some shots against Tiago Santos. He took some shots against Gustafson. He's taken some shots against uh, Anthony Smith, Dominic Reyes. Like it's not like John doesn't shown to be tough, durable, uh, have a great chin. That's not what I'm saying. But people want to know what it's like take if you put the ultimate tactician up against the ultimate time bomb, and that's that's what they want to see when it comes down to. Francis versus John Jones. So it would be a super fight. I think it would be one of the biggest fights of the year. Um, I think really the question is if you're in Ganu, do you want to do that fight right now? You know, if you're if you're in Ganu, you fight John Jones. Do you I would imagine if they do it, it would be for an interim title. I don't think they would do it without giving John the opportunity to win some gold, without Nganu winning a title that he obviously deserves. So Let's say that they could make this fight in July and we don't get Stipe and DC until the end of whatever. And if DC wins uh, and John wins, then boom, you do have one more fight and obviously a lot of money. It'd be tough for DC to turn it down. If John loses, you know, DC retires, you know, and and and, and eventually Ngannou is the champ. So, um, yeah, I think it's I, I think they got to do it, honestly, because, look, first and foremost, if Ngannou wants to fight for the real belt, fight for the real belt. But I think out of the Steve fight where we saw him get whooped up a little bit, um, I don't think that sells as well. DC, I think would be uh, would be good, uh, but I don't think it's good. I don't think it would be as big as fighting John Jones because you're you're fight. You know the the comparison between fighting 
John Jones or the guy who John Jones always beat, it's just not as big a deal, even if he is making the jump up to heavyweight. So I think it's an absolute monster. I hope they make it happen. I hope that we get that fight. Um, when I, I mean, you know, in the, in the great words of Detective Pikachu, I could feel that one down in my jellies. That one, that one speaks to my soul. So I, I loved hearing that. Uh, John is, is about, and look for John, what else are you doing at this point? You know, you've, you're, you're, you're at this point where you're out of challenges. Who's really left. Are we going to do Corey Anderson, Jan Blakovich? Uh, you know, is that really, and it's not to disrespect those guys, but you're John Jones. You got more title wins than anybody in the history of the sport. And people have been waiting for this one challenge all the time. You're going to get, it's almost Remember when we were talking about the Brock Lesnar fight and John called out Brock Lesnar before he got his title strip from DC? This would be equivalent to that. Obviously, Ngannou's not as famous as Brock Lesnar, but it's what we've been wanting to see. John to take on a cartoon character at heavyweight, go dominate, add to his legacy, be a two-title champion, all that type of stuff. And he's talented enough to do it. He is. You know, Yeah, he's got those chicken legs. Maybe he's looked a little bit... Uh, vulnerable, but maybe he's also just a little bit tapped out on um, motivation when it comes to 205 because he's done everything there is to do twice over. He really has. And now, now he's escaping. And now, because to me, look, he's really at a point right now where if he takes on even, if he, if he starts taking on the Dominic Reyes of the world, um, what else is there to do? Like you, I mean, I guess he could go dominant. Okay, good. John dominated him, took him maybe a little more seriously. What does that add? He added a blip on his radar. Does anybody care? Or does or he fights Dom again and he loses? You know, and that's not going to be as uh, great to his purse strings as it would be to fight Ngannou, who's also a risk. And at least that one is like, whoa, everyone's going to be paying $70, $70 or whatever it is for that on pay-per-view for sure. Uh, Conor McGregor. That's our show for this week, guys. We'll be back with more next same time, same place next week. You miss any show, download the podcast and enjoy the rest of your week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.